we had such different experiences, but the thing that we did both shared and all of us shared was that, gosh, we learned how to teach there. Kirsten, I want to thank you for taking the time to come here. I mean, I've known you for several years now. Many, many years. Many yes. years. I think it was yeah. when we first... How many years ago was that when you were at BST? I joined BST in 2001. 2001? And I left in 2018. So 17 years I was at BST. And I have to tell you, it was just a pleasure having you as the person that we oh. dealt with on the administrative side. It oh. was Because you get a, you, every now and then you're lucky enough to meet people, because I deal with different schools. Sure. And you deal with different personalities. But I have to say, dealing with you was such a pleasure. Well, we loved working. Well, I loved working with you. And so seeing nice. the Friday morning outside that the front so nice. door. Yes, <laughs> yeah. yes. Yeah. You were there when we changed the time, didn't you? To the morning? Uh, yes. Yeah, actually, That's you were only the mornings when That's I was right. there. That's right. Yeah. And I was thinking, like, wow, I said, is this going to work? And it worked. It worked perfectly. It yeah, sure did. Very popular. And we still have it. We still do it. Oh, good. We still do it. Good. But we, we've got it down to only a few kids now. I think there's four, wait, no. I think there's just eight kids. Eight kids. And I love it. That's perfect. Eight eight girls. And it's just beautiful. And they love it. And they get so much. Mm. I mean, it's just, I feel like I'm really able to teach them. That small group you know, size, you really can have an impact. So. Mm, right. <coughs> Tell me, where were you born? I was born in London. Okay. Um, a very long time ago. Uh, right in the centre of London, actually, uh, in uh, St Thomas's Hospital, which is right opposite the Houses of Parliament. So I'm a true Londoner, and uh, went to did all my schooling in uh, in the UK as well. Is that right? Are you the only child? No, I have a brother and a sister. My sister is I'm the oldest. You're the oldest. Yes, okay. I am. Um, my sister is two and a half years younger than me, and my brother is nine and a half years younger than me. So, um, so you were like his surrogate mother? <laughs> kind of, yeah, I guess. Are you really close? We are. We are really close. And actually, COVID has been quite helpful in that respect because we, to begin with, while you know, the UK was locked down, we, uh, we haven't had that experience places. as much, have we? Um, but we Zoom every Sunday night now, the whole family. And of course, I'd speak to my parents every week. Every Sunday every night? Every Sunday we, we Zoom. And it started from the beginning of right COVID? Right from the beginning, yeah. So yeah. for three years you've been Zooming we've, every we've Sunday We've been Zooming, night. yeah. yeah. How two, long do you stay years. online? Um, well, to begin with, we were on there for an hour and a half, two hours, playing games, and you know, when it was very intense. Right. Uh, now it's more of a check-in, so we, we kind of go around, what have you been doing this week? I've got a niece and a nephew, and so I always want to hear from them what they're doing. And so um, Charlotte, my niece, gives me an update on her schooling. She's 10, 10 and a half actually, nearly. You can um, speak to all of them, you know. So who do you, who you, you have your, so it's you, your sister, sister. and then your brother who's nine years year, Nine years younger. I'm younger than you. Yeah, yeah. And they both have children. They do. Um, okay. My sister has uh, my niece, uh, mm -hmm. Charlotte, and so she's, as I say, she's uh, 10, uh, okay. going into her final year of primary school uh, in September. I can hardly believe it. And my nephew is two uh, next month. So uh, my brother's son is um, two next month. So we're uh, he's just at that point where he's, you know, chit-chatting away. And so you're an auntie twice. I'm an auntie twice. Yeah. What about your parents? My parents uh, still live in the same area. They're okay. both well. Yeah, they've uh, they've managed to weather the uh, COVID storm quite well. Um, they're fanatical green bowl, uh, green bowlers. Really? Yeah. Lawn bowling. Yeah, lawn bowling. Yeah, they joined. They started doing that oh, maybe five or 
maybe about five years ago, I guess, mm -hmm. and they're very, very keen uh, bowlers. The, the club is quite near to where they live, so okay. it's a nice social setting. You know they do that at the YCAC? Do they? Oh, yes, I did know that. I yes. went there and watched that a couple of times. I oh, used to it was hilarious. No, for me, I thought it was kind of hilarious. The poses, oh, yeah. they would get in after they bowled the ball. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and they just hold it. It affects the trajectory of the ball. <laughs> That's right. I mean, I thought that was so interesting. It's lovely. When I go home, they go, they're obviously bowling, and I sit on the side with a, you know, a drink right, 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 and exactly. a bag of peanuts and just leisurely okay. watching this lovely green environment. I love it that they're outdoors and active. Super. Yeah, so your parents aren't that old then, I'm just saying. Um, just, just turning 75, yeah. They're my age. Yeah. yeah. Oh, oh they're goodness. your age. Yes, yes, I'll be 70 this year. Oh my goodness, wow. Isn't it? So your father's just turning 75. My mum just turned 75 and my dad will be 75 next year. So they're wow. about the same age. Yeah, yeah they're, we're both baby boomers. We're all baby yeah, boomers. Yeah, they're baby boomers for sure. Big time. Yeah. My yeah. goodness. What about their parents? Their parents? Oh, your grandparents? They've, my grandparents are, uh, aren't here now, but okay. um, yeah, they were, they were also, we're all Londoners. Actually, my, my dad's parents were Irish, so that's where the O'Connor name comes from. Yeah, I was wondering, but I think most people's parents, I mean, a family is Irish. Irish? <laughs> <laughs> well, perhaps not most. <laughs> my German, my great-great-grandmother's German-Irish. Oh, really? Yes, and I went to an Irish pub here. And there's a woman playing the spoons. Oh, right, yeah. Who's Irish. And she came, comes over to me. I'm the only black person in there. And she yeah. says, you don't look quite Irish to me. Why are you in here? And I told her the story. And she just started laughing. No, the Irish have been everywhere. Oh, that's right, yeah. yeah. My grandparents moved to um, England and then had their family there. So my dad is, I mean, to all intents and purposes, English. But he's actually Irish. So, uh, so that's where the O'Connor name comes from. But, yeah. My goodness. So tell me, so in school, going through schooling, yeah. well, first I want to know, what do your parents do? Your They're both mind? retired now. Okay. Uh, my dad was in advertising okay. um, all the way through his career, and my mum, my mum stayed at home with us, which we were, you know, it's very, very, we were very blessed in that respect. Not every family can do that. Um, and then as we got older, then she went back to work, and she was, she worked, as she was finishing her working life, she was working in insurance, and then also in, um, she was the doctor's receptionist. So, um, you know, managing the surgery and things like that. So, yeah. All right. so when you were in school, elementary school, going through school, what sports did you like? Elementary school, actually, mm -hmm. I, I, the range of sports was quite different in elementary school, but I, I was always a really keen netball player. I, okay. loved, I loved sports all the way through, but I, um, netball was the sport that we did most of. Um, and then in those days, the boys played football and the girls played netball. And right, there right. was not an opportunity for sort of both to play both. Um, nowadays, all, yeah. you know, they all that's play true, both. That's true. Um, what, about, what about academics? What were you like academically um, in elementary school? Well, pretty good. I, w I was in school in Kent. And uh, can, in the UK, there's still a selective education system in okay. some counties uh, okay. across the country. Meaning, Not very many. What does that mean? Selective? It means that, uh, that everybody private? takes a oh. takes a, at eleven. Everybody takes an, a test, okay. and if you pass the test, you go to the grammar schools, and if you don't pass the test, you go to the comprehensive schools, which are for all all abilities. So um, whoa, I know. Whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> Explain that. Wait. So they still do this. In uh, I think there's four or five counties in the UK that still do this. Kent is one of them, um, and so they've got a, a school system where you, as I say, you you take a, an assessment at age eleven. At, at age eleven, everybody takes it. And okay. The but in t up until then, the schooling's the same. Yes. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I mean, there's private and state education. But so your private means our public in America. Yes. Yeah. And I mean, it is called public. 
um, public schools in, in people do call them public schools in okay. the UK, but um, yeah, private schools and state schools, um, and all the state schools. I'm talking about the state schools. Everybody takes an assessment at age okay. eleven, and then they go to either a grammar school or a comprehensive school. What's, it, what's comprehensive? Comprehensive well, what's means. A what's, I don't know. Comprehensive. You explain. That's everything. What's a grammar school? Grammar school is for the, the students who get the highest scores. It's a real um, controversial topic. Uh, in the UK. It doesn't seem like that's... So the name's really deceiving. Mm. The comprehensive sounds like it's the more in-depth. The compre- Well, the comprehensive school is, has got a range of um, abilities, let's say, and often they stream students, so you'll have a, you know, a grammar stream. The grammar stream is always the group that's the highest achieving or the, you know, getting the highest outcomes. So... Um, there are schools in those counties that are called grammar schools, which are the, what you might say, the, the higher achieving schools, and then there are the, the other schools. We, and it's very controversial. Exactly the face you're pulling wow, is what a lot of people... That's so interesting. But it's not everywhere. There's only a very small number of um, counties that do that, uh, okay. prefectures that do that in the UK. Um, I don't know the system. That's, that's it's really more. different. The system yeah. is different. Too. I mean, there's a state system and a private school system. The, the private school system is different. You know, people take entrance exams to get into private schools, um, and you can. Those aren't the elitist schools. Those are the schools that people pay for to go. Pay the state for. schools, the okay. you know, the, the public schools that the right. government pay for are what everybody's entitled to okay, go to. Right. So, so which one were you talking about? I went to, to I went to state state school, and so okay. my my um, element my primary school was a state school, and I took uh, we happened to live in Kent, okay. so I could we could take the, uh, the it's called the eleven plus exam, okay. and um, I passed that, and I went to a grammar school. So um, that was which is kind of which like was, and that school. was a, that was still a state school uh, a state grammar school. So, okay. um, yeah, and my sister as well followed followed along. What did your brother do? My brother went to private school actually. He passed okay. his eleven plus as well, uh, but went to a private school. Um, so your parents paid for him to go yeah, to the private yeah, school. Yeah. To make sure he got what you two got because you passed and decided to go to the. When we school. went to the grammar school, yeah. Grammar school. Um, I mean, he could have gone to the grammar school as well, but um, you know, circumstances change. Nine years is a long gap. That's right. So, um, right, right. Circumstances were different, and and he went to uh, a school that was uh, a private school. So far more sports. I mean, actually, when he went to school, it was quite different to when I went to school. I was in school in the in the eighties, which was when there was quite a lot of unrest amongst the sort of teaching profession generally. So there were a lot of teacher strikes, and teachers weren't doing clubs and things like that. So, I mean, I had a fantastic time at school, but um, there weren't the range of activities that could have that had previously been there and are subsequently there now. Um, mm-hmm. But I was very sporty and musical as well. So um, what I, kind of music? I play the trumpet. So I started learning the trumpet when I was at um, trumpet. Trump, trumpet. The, the trumpet. Trombone is this, this trombone, yeah, yeah, trombone, yeah, yeah, but yeah. the trumpet's this. Trumpet's that. Yeah. So I learned that when I when I got to. Um, but then what about the lips? Because usually you hmm. get trumpet lips, don't you? Well, it doesn't last forever, but, but yeah. it, yeah. it depends on if how you play long for you a very play, long time. You can play and you'll yeah. see it. Mm, There's yeah. a crease here. Yeah, I have not. Pl- I don't play very often now. At BST, I used to play in the Christmas concerts. So uh, any any time that we, you know, I love playing Christmas carols and Christmas songs and things. So uh, whenever there was a concert, I'd always um, pop into the orchestra and help out. Do you still have a trumpet now? I do. It's in the loft. It's not doing very much. <laughs> it's sitting next to my guitar, which is also not doing very much. So you do so I learned the guitar to just as I was doing my teacher training because okay. I wanted to be able to play in the classroom. So I'm not a great guitarist by any stretch, but I've got 
you know, a handful of chords, I can play pretty much any children's okay, song right, to, right. to uh, enjoy in the classroom. But oh, that's so, also in the loft. So music, you enjoy music, and what else you And sports, I love sport, sports. sports. And, I, and I was more on the sort of English literature side of things, so um, that was my, my pathway through. Mm -hmm. That's right. what I did at university. So, so then yeah. after, you finished, after you finished schooling, your primary schooling, mm -hmm. then you got into high school, is it junior high, then high school? Just, the just one all the way through it school, so through. from 11 to 18, yes. College. Well, in the UK, in eighteen. Yeah, in the UK, education. You mean talking about your age? Yeah. Okay, till eighteen. Okay. Eighteen. Yes. 18, but then you went yeah. to college. Then I went to university. Okay, university. Yeah, after that. So, what did you do in university? What would you major in? I teaching. I went uh, to train to be a teacher. So uh, I decided very young that I wanted to be a teacher. How young? I was seven when I made that decision. What made you? What, what, what I just loved school. I loved my primary school. I loved school. I loved my teachers. I just loved being there. I loved learning and just I just loved the whole atmosphere of it. And I, and I can't really remember thinking, oh, I want to do this. I want to be the teacher. Um, and and from then on, all the decisions I made for my GCSEs, my A levels, and my university course uh, were all based on that. I remember saying to my grandmother. Um, I'm going to be a teacher, and she said, oh, you're never going to be rich. And I said, well, <laughs> money isn't everything, Nan. Money isn't everything. And she's right, <laughs> and I should have listened. But, um, but it's been a, you know, a fabulous and continues to be a fabulous career. So I'm, I'm, isn't it? I'm absolutely When you learn to do it and you make it oh, a career. Yeah, absolutely. Totally. Oh, I feel that way for sure. That's why I will always keep it as a part of my life. Mm. Because I think we owe it to those that come after us to, to show them. I, I like to tell parents this, that our children don't represent our future, they represent our past, because the only thing we can teach them is what we've already what learned. We know, yeah. Now on the other end of this, what we represent to the kids is their possible future. So we owe it to them, but most of all to ourselves, to be all we can be, mm -hmm. to show them what's possible. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. That's how I look yeah. at it. Yeah. And that's what I'm doing with the kids. The kids every now and then say, how old are you? And I say, how old do you think I am? And, <laughs> and they're usually judging them based upon my animation. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm saying, that's right, because most people after they turn 30 don't think it's this kind of like, I know it all, <laughs> I'll take my time. Wow. So what were you like growing up? What was I like growing up? Um, what was, like, just to me, in school, did you have to ever work while you were in school, let's say in your... Uh, when I was at university, I did. You did? Um, what did yeah. you do? What kind of work? I worked in a sports shop, um, okay. which I loved. What, what so kind of sports shop? Like a... Um, a shop where you can buy trainers and tennis rackets okay. and everything, okay. like a sports... Was it a name uh, brand? Oh uh, Yeah, Olymp Olympus Sports. Olympus people Sport, people okay. in the 80s will remember. I think it's gone now, certainly it will have gone now, but I absolutely loved that job because I was really into trainers and really into sports and I loved like meeting up with um, customers coming in and making sure they got the right pair of shoes and the company would send me off to train on how to sell trainers, which I loved, so I knew all about the, all the, the materials that they made the soles of the trainers out of and which ones were the best things for which, and I still actually, in my mind, think I'm an expert in that, <laughs> which is ridiculous because it was 20 odd years ago, nearly 30 years ago, so um, I loved, I absolutely loved it, and I was involved in uh, setting up uh, a new branch of the, of the shop. Uh, within the area that I worked, they were opening up a, a satellite shop within a soup, um, within a department store. How old were you during this time? How old were you? Uh, in my, I was twenty, twenty-one, 
21. Okay, okay. So as I, as I was doing my uh, final years of university, and we, we had the opportunity to go and um, go to the warehouse of this company and pick out all the, like they'd obviously decided what they wanted the, the, stock, the shop to be stocked with, but I had to go to the warehouse with my manager and we had to pull it all and put it on those big pallets and then it was all shipped back to the shop. It was the most exciting really exciting thing or you know 50 tennis rackets 10 of this pair of shoes you know it was just it was your first time oh, doing this it was just absolutely fantastic I loved it I used to be in charge of selling the exercise machines uh, at the weekend so you know there'd be all the running machines and the you know weightlifting things and you were able to keep up with your studies as well yeah yeah I worked a um, couple of days a week so uh, did you have a social life at all um, yes yes but uh, yes, I okay. did. No, okay. I did. Yeah, uh, I worked during the day because we our, my I had Wednesdays when I didn't have classes, so I worked on Wednesdays and then on a Saturday as well, which was you know pretty standard for okay, for most right. people. But okay. but then during the holidays, I used to transfer to the local branch to where my parents lived. So I would How go. How far away was that? Oh, an hour. Okay. Not not far. <laughs> I wasn't very far away from home. Um, and um, so then I worked there all summer in the same same company. So it served home. me really well. It really served me very well. And of course, I got um, a lovely discount in the shop as well, which was very exciting for and somebody. And passed on your whole family, of course. <laughs> no, 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 no. No, uh, no, just, no, 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 just no, no, but you understand what I'm saying? No, no, if you could get it, a discount there, yeah. you know what I mean? Not in, a, not in a way where you're doing damage to the company. No, no, I was you're just right very right. excited to be able to buy my Nike Air Max and uh, be so excited about the first time that they came out. I mean, that's how old... Um, that's how long ago it was, but uh, yeah. Goodness. So I was, I was, yeah, I was excited to do that. So tell me, do you ever get to travel a lot? I mean, so you fin so you finished college now with what degree? I finished college with a, a bachelor of arts in education and English, uh, with qualified teacher status as well, so I could become a teacher. So my degree was four years. I did three years education and English, and then the final year was um, really focused on the final bit of education. Um, and, and for most of that year, I was on teaching practice. And actually, that was a year that was really pivotal in my life, I think, because I went to university in uh, Canterbury, in, in Kent, which was only about an hour away from, from my parents' house, but it was a, uh, still is a Canterbury Christchurch uh, University, is renowned for training teachers, nurses as well, but it's an, it's an education university. And um, it's quite, you know, I don't know if you know Canterbury, but it's very, it's a beautiful city, it's a very historic city, it's cathedral, you know, Canterbury Cathedral's there, it's beautiful, it's a walled city, it's medieval walls, you know, and ruins uh, can be found all around the city, it's beautiful. Um, and a lot of the schools around there, of course, where we did our teaching practices, we were always out every year, we were put out into schools to train to be teachers, so we'd have to plan and, and teach a class, and you'd partner with a teacher and so on, and, and as you went through your four years, it got longer. So to begin with, you were only there once a week, then you do a, a whole week, two weeks, and by the time you get to the fourth year, you're in a you take on a class for a whole term, so from Christmas to all the way through to April. So you've got the, the, the clock, you're actually responsible for the clock. The teacher's there as well, but you're, you're because you don't want to mark that up. Um, but yeah, you're responsible for it. And I, all of our teaching practices had been in schools in kind of small Kentish villages. And you can imagine how that looked, very domestic, very, um, homogenous right. um, which was great and right. I really learned so much from my teaching practices you know you learn from um, getting things right but also from getting things wrong so um, well, like, it like was what? well just you know teaching a right. lesson and thinking oh that was absolutely brilliant the kids loved it the activity worked you could see their progress mm -hmm. and then another day thinking oh gosh <laughs> that didn't work and they enjoyed it but I can't see the learning so okay, you know, reflecting okay, in that way but um, 
in our fourth year, we were given the opportunity, um, there was a, a connection with an inner London council called Newham, uh, which is uh, one of the councils, uh, one of the London boroughs in the east end of London, and you'll know from many cities around the world, the east end of London is much um, less affluent, let's okay, say, than the okay. west side of London and so on. Um, and this particular borough was particularly deprived in so many ways, and a, a very large um, refugee population, but also you know, quite a lot of minority groups lived there. Um, and we were given the opportunity to do a, a teaching practice, if we chose, there, instead of uh, in Kent. Okay. And of course we thought about that quite a lot, because Newham is a tough place to work. Um, and I thought, actually I want to give that a go. So I went, I mean and I'm from London, so that, that wasn't an issue, but um, I went and did my teaching practice in Newham with, with a couple of my um And this is a new experience for you? Yeah, yeah, teaching okay, in that okay. area. I mean, and I didn't that live in that area right, either. So we lived on the, you know, we're right. in the outskirts of South East London on the border right. of Kent. So it right. was it was quite different uh, to mm. where I was doing that teaching practice. And I'm sure doing that, you heard stories about it. Mm. Oh, yeah. So yeah. so I'm sure you had to be a little apprehensive. We were very thinking. nervous. Yeah, very nervous. Well, and how many teachers went with you? Um, there was about, I guess... There were about 40 of us, I think, who did it. And then our cohort was, you know, there must have been 500 in our, in our cohort, but only about 40 of us actually went to uh, up to Newham. And we all stayed in, there was like a, a lodging place that we stayed okay. in all together. Um, and we all went to the schools near to that that, that place. So How long was this? How long did you have to do this? Uh, it was three and a half months. So we, went, we okay. moved up in January and then we finished uh, the beginning of April. So okay. um, it was, it was it's a big, big undertaking to, to, to do that. But it it was absolutely life-changing. So tell me, tell me, yeah, what are the points that got to you that you'll never forget? Well, for a start, behaviour is quite okay. different when okay. you're in an inner London How? school. How was it? Um, chairs being thrown and... Wait, 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 yeah, wait, wait, I know, wait, wait, exactly. Wait, wait. If you think about the stereotypical in a London well, Tell me what, what you saw. Not what, I don't want to oh. hear about what you heard, what you saw that you said, okay. Well, that's exactly what I saw, and I thought, okay. Uh, as soon as you... Wait, so the, when your first day there? You, you, there's, there's very different um, energy and rhythm uh, in some of those yeah, Now, schools. what caused that chair to be thrown? Um, I think a lot of what we saw the difference was the economic um, challenges that some of those families were facing, but also the demographic of that of that area. So the place where I was working, and actually Newham's got an interesting demographic generally, that they have this kind of arc of refugees through the middle. So you could be working in Newham and work in a school where it's predominantly Polish or um, Eastern European students, so okay. predominantly white students, gotcha. or yeah. you could be in other areas, like in the south of the borough, where were mostly Caribbean families, gotcha. or in the north of the borough, which were mostly Pakistani and Indian families, and it, at, which is amazing in one area, uh, where I, I was in the north of the borough, and 95% of my class were either from Pakistan or India, and a lot of those families and a lot of those children were living in poverty, quite quite heavy poverty, but. But the thing that you did see was that families didn't break up. So there were a lot of siblings, but, and whether or not the mum and dad were you know, happy, they didn't break up. So there wasn't a high divorce rate, whereas in, in other parts of the borough there were. There were. It was very, really I fascinating, just, wow. really fascinating. Because you come back and talk to your cohorts or the other teachers about the borough they were in. Would about you take notes? Would you take notes? Like when you guys got together back in your dorm? Oh, yeah, absolutely. And then you say, yeah. okay, now this group, 
None of them have their fathers. That's yeah, exactly. Or whatever. Yeah, and you say, no, they're all staying together, but they're miserable. Miserable, <laughs> exactly. That's exactly it. And actually, I was in the north of the borough, and my best friend was in the south of the borough, and working in a completely different demographic, exactly as you, as you just described. And we had such different experiences. But the thing that we did both shared, and all of us shared, was that, gosh, we learned how to teach there. We learned how to behave and manage. We learned how to take a child who really couldn't do something. How did you do? How would you do? You. When children are behaving naturally because that's their default, you're not having to necessarily behave your manage. You're not having to find strategies that engage students. You're not having to really go above and beyond to really get their interest. Because if you're dealing with poverty outside of school, I've got to do quite a lot to get you interested in what's... You're thinking about what's happening at home. I've got to really get your interest. Whereas if you're at home, everything's, you know... Smooth and, and plain. You, get up like you, you come to school. You're so happy, yeah, exactly. You, you come to school. Exactly. You, you can focus. But, I, but not every not every child's got that. So you know, when you're in a school like that, you've really got to be able to teach. You've really How got did you to. Do it? Well, How did you do it? Did you come in with whistles and bells? No. Did you have a big well, maybe to begin with. Maybe to begin with the tap dancing <laughs> on the go. table. <laughs> What's going on here? Oh, yeah, right. uh, no, I think it's it's about relationships and it's about trust. They okay. have to trust that you've got them and that you're going, you're you're there for them, and that you're not going anywhere. How, they find, how did you, for your group, how did they find out that that they could trust you? I'm, I'm. What do you think you did? I think consistency, uh, and I constantly, and also feedback. I think you're constantly saying to them, look. You're doing this really well. Let's work on this now, and and giving them that dialogue. Didn't they ever get nasty with you when you say oh, you're, you're trying to be nice? But they, no one's been nice to them. That's not nobody had been nice to them. I mean, it's just they're just in challenging situations. And yes, sometimes there were moments when it got hairy, let's mm-hmm. say. Um, but but actually, genuinely, I think when kids can see that there's somebody, I'm invested in you. Like I'm I'm here, That's and I'm not going so anywhere. And the and the other thing with London schools is because it's tough. There's a lot of turnover of staff, and there's a lot of um, temporary staff. Right. So there's a lot of you know covered teachers coming in from different areas of the world, and, and that unsettles students as well. And I think if you're there and you're really committed to it, and, and I was young, you know, I was in my twenties, so and, and I taught um, ten and eleven year olds, so um, okay. they're not that you know, it's no, not yeah, that they're different. Almost they're so, getting there. Yeah, yeah, there, yeah, exactly. So and that presents its own challenges. You were know? all the other people in your group the same age? Yeah. Were they doing with the same age kids? Um, no, we we were doing all different. So some some when you t- train to be a teacher, you choose which sector you're going to okay, train okay. in. So oh, you I can see, do see. you know I did seven to fourteen. Right. Some student people do five to seven. Some people do three. I see, I understand. Okay. So uh, some people are in the younger year groups, but uh, of course with older kids, that's when you see the that's, that's right. The And I can't. I was very lucky. But I you didn't do them. You only dealt with the kids. You said. Eight to eleven. Or I trained for um, students seven to fourteen. Seven to but fourteen. Actually, I, when I first started teaching, I taught my first class were ten and eleven year olds. Okay. Uh, for the first three years of my teaching career, and then I did a really. I changed. I moved to school just to, to a school around the corner. I went from this enormous Victorian uh, building, which was built in the eighteen nineties, uh, with all its accompanying. You know, beautiful features and, and so on, and you know the problems as well, where the windows were this high. I couldn't <laughs> see out the windows because that was the Victorian way, and nor, of course, nor could the children. But um, to a, a school around the corner, and that school was a three-form entry, so three classes per year group. So it was a big school, and then I went around the corner to a small school that was built in the 70s. So you can imagine those 70s eyesores with the 
you know, the architecture wasn't at its best then, let's say. Um, and it only had one class per year group, so it was a much smaller school. Um, and when I moved there, I went from teaching 10 and 11 year olds to teaching four and five year olds. <laughs> that was quite the experience, um, but I absolutely loved it. I loved it, I, I, and I, all through my career I did both. I did younger students and older students, and they've got different, of course, different merits. Right, but uh, back to Kent, what happened in Kent? It was a Kent, the area that you went to? Uh, I, I moved from Kent to Newham. Which to was Newham, in to London. Newham, that area. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that was a big, that was a big, a big challenge. And, but you, we, I really felt like we, we all felt that we really learnt our skills there. Mm -hmm. You've got to be on your game. And if yeah. you can do it there, you can do, you do it, it anywhere. anywhere. That's exactly what we, we felt. And, and it's proved to be true, actually. Right. The rest um, of the stuff was a piece of cake because yeah. they think they're doing better. Now I've it, seen worse. It's different. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. It's different. It was it's a real baptism of fire, really. But also the advantage of working in London is that the um, the government, because there's so many deprived areas within London, particularly that East End side of London, they put a lot of money into teacher training, and they often do um, research. Uh, f for projects they're bringing in, they'll put that into schools in the East End of London first. So an example would be, um, well, 20 odd years ago now, they brought into something called the um, literacy strategy and the numeracy strategy for how teachers should be teaching English and maths. And before it became the strategy, the, the, you know, the published required um, documents, it was called the literacy project and the math and numeracy project and we did that before any of the other schools did it so we had the training and we you know they look we did all the evaluations and told them this works really well this doesn't work well but our training was going like literally hands-on uh, trying this and we could see the impact and that's the other thing when you when you look at um, outcomes for schools across London there's league tables, you know, they publish league tables for the exam, the test results at the end of the primary school. And of course, Newham was always right at the bottom. You know, they'd always get really low scores. And of course, other boroughs were legendarily always at the top, of course. And that was very disheartening until you actually looked at the data in a different way and you looked at value added. So we were getting children in who were really low and they were leaving at the expected level. Whereas Schools on the other side were getting children in who were here right. and were leaving here. We were getting them here and they were leaving here. And so when you looked at value added, which schools were adding more value, we were right at the top. Them, yes. And we, that's what that's what you know gets you out of bed. That's what right. brings you into school. Right. Right. This child came in miles below where you'd expect them to at a five-year-old, and when they left, they were absolutely where they should be at eleven. And that's yes. that's. But she only had three months. Oh, I'm talking about when I was teaching. Oh, you're talking about when you were yeah. actually started but the, teaching. Yeah, okay. the actual the three right. months was, uh, that's when I absolutely fell in love with working up there. So I very quickly decided I'm not going to go back to a career in Kent, I'm going to stay here. So I got a job um, in the school around the corner from where I did my teaching practice. And the same uh, type of kids? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it was just literally around the, around corner, the corner, so the same diagraphic oh, demographic, and um, loved it. Made some really fabulous friends. And how long were you there? Um, I was so I was at one school for three years, and then I moved to another school for four years, and then after that, I moved to Tokyo. And the next chapter. This began. is real quick. That's what I was going to ask you. How did yeah. That's a perfect jump. So, what did you do as soon as you got to Tokyo? And how did you come here? Yeah. What why did I come here? That's a really good question. Well, interestingly, the second school I worked at, I was um, a mentor to newly qualified teachers. So when they came in, um, it was my role to work alongside them and you know support them in their development. Because when you're a new teacher, you still need to continue developing. And um, 
one of the teachers came in and she did a couple of years, two or three years with us, and then she decided to go and work abroad. And um, she she went to a school called the British School in Tokyo. And and I was just kind of... When year was this? This was, oh God, must have been 1999 or okay. something I like that. I probably knew it because we've been there ever since you probably three would, years. Yeah, you well, probably I had my sons there from the third year open. Oh, you probably would yeah, know her. Yeah, and she taught the younger students as well. So um, anyway, so she, she applied for a job and went to Tokyo. And of course I was... That's interesting, and it just kind of must have just stayed in my ear, because um, I'd always been kind of fascinated with Japan, not not in necessarily in a very conscious way, but I, you know, my curtains had kanji on them, and I really loved, you know, just the artistic. For some reason, yeah. yeah, something I don't know what it was, but who knows? Bigger, you know, the, the had world. Had you travelled a lot prior to coming here? I'd never been to Japan. I had been oh. to Hong Kong, and okay. I'd been to Singapore, but I'd not so been, been to, to Asia. I'd been to Asia, yeah, yeah, okay. not a lot, okay. but I'd been um, on holiday. Not, not to actually work. And you, you preferred the, the Orient, or did you go throughout? Well, Europe, you're right I mean, there. We did a lot, I, did Europe. Yeah, I did a lot of Europe and, and America as well, and then um, came over to Asia and, and really loved it. Okay. Um, but that was a few years before I came here. But I, after I'd been teaching for seven years and I'd become the maths coordinator and the um, science coordinator in my school, so I was leading that, and I was a leading maths teacher, so people would come and watch me. You know, I, d I was doing all that, and I thought, actually, I'm, I'm ready for a, 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 another role. And um, I thought, I, I was looking and seeing if I, you know, where, where's my next role? Couldn't quite find what I was looking for. And in those days, nothing was online, of course. We had the newspaper on the table in the staff room, and <clears throat> the Times Education Supplement was where they advertised all the teaching jobs in the country. Uh, and at the back was the international section. And of course, I'm sitting in the staff room having a look, and this advert popped up British school in Tokyo looking for quartet leaders. Do you, you probably remember that we were we were in quartets, which was just sections of the school, okay. and um, I thought, oh, is it called that in England too? No, no, it was just, not totally no, it was just unique yeah, to you. Yeah, totally unique. <laughs> and um, I thought, oh, it just leapt off the page. And um, first of all, I emailed to say, where when it says quartet leader, that means like department head, not leader of a small group of stringed instruments, right? Right, right, right. <laughs> or right, I right exactly. For the wrong job. Yeah. Um, and uh, and they said yes. So I applied. I only applied for one job. Um, Which was this one? I just okay. applied for one job overseas and um, went for the interview and got it. And that was in um, January t two thousand and one. I got the job confirmed in February, and then I moved in August. Much to my family's uh, surprise. I'm sure. I'm sure they didn't want to let you go. You they were very baby, surprised. Yeah. First girl. Yeah. And, I, and I was just you know. Um, and you're nervous and excited at the same time. Both. Both. So, yeah. what, what did you think you were going to say? What did you think Japan was going to be like before you came? I mean, what did you? Oh God, honestly, what, things like. Yeah, um, what did you have before you came? Because we didn't have online. No. There was nothing no. free to see. You could yeah. go to the library, which yeah. I'm sure you probably did yeah. once or yeah. twice. What images were you expecting to see when you came here? I th in my head, I had Hong Kong. That was my nearest point okay. of reference, which and is very oh. different. Totally different to here. That's like chaos. Meets <laughs> totally high rise, you know everything, and and I think the two things. The smells, everything. Yeah, everything. And I, just, I think in my head I had well I remember two things being in my head. I wonder, you know, I wonder if there's bread in Japan. I mean, how okay, ridiculous right, right. Okay. is that? No, and the second one is um, whether I would be living in one of those kind of well, tenement buildings with it's you know laundry hanging right, right. off and the air conditioners kind of hanging off the balconies right. and stuff. And I, that's what I had in my mind uh, that I would be coming to. But fortunately, I had a 
I had this colleague who was still at the school at the time, and so I was able to be in touch with her, and she, you know, described more. You. Yeah, the, you're not going to be in right. one of those buildings right, or anything right, like right. that. Um, and so, yeah, I literally um, packed up my flat, sold my car, and uh, what impressed you the most when you got here? What, did, what were the, some of the first impressions? Mm. Heat, heat was the first one because okay. we arrived Humidity? in August. Oh God. Because I mean, coming from. But the you get that in Hong Kong. But you never went there during that time. I only, yeah, I did. Oh, I was there in the summer, but only no, for no, it, yeah. five days or something. It wasn't. I wasn't living in it. Um, and also, aircon in places, yeah. aircon in the Singapore aircon. and AC in Singapore right. and Hong Kong is so high. Tell me about you, it. You, you would like a, you walk into a freezer. Even if you walk past a door, you you know you can you feel the blast of it. So um, so coming here, I was really really surprised at that. Um, and do you know that. The image I've got of when we first flew into Japan, you know, when you fly into Narita and you see all those kind of green, you see all the golf courses for a start, but all the, those kind of green mounds, I just, that's really vivid in my memory of, wow, this, the landscape is just so different, so, so different from flying into the, into the UK, certainly into London. But um, yeah, I, I fell in love with it really quickly. I didn't have culture shock, I don't think. I was just um, excited the minute I got here. And I made a really great group of friends, and we settled into sort of sociable life, let's say. And, and of course, the school's really great. When you come when you come out with a school, you're not right. you're in you're you in take a care. You have your own structure, right? Yeah, you and, can and recreate your own environment in a way. That's right. And the school right. puts in place kind of scaffolds for you, so right. you know you're you're near to other people where you live, and they you know, brought us into, you know, the, we'd, we'd got there on that first day, we went home, we were dropped off, and we had to get our way back to Shibuya and meet at Hachiko. It's like, oh my God, I got on the train in the wrong direction. You know, all of these things that you do, um, but very quickly you're forced to do it, because you've got to start work. That's so, right. uh, But you're not having to do most of that on your own, you're actually in a little cocoon, the, the BST cocoon, yeah, or, you know, the or whatever it may be, cocoon. A cocoon, yeah. that's true. I always tell people when they come here that you're going to go through a culture shock. After you've lived here for one year, and go back to wherever you came from and realize what you learned to put up with. That's exactly uh, what that. That's they think exactly. it's coming here. No. No, it's the it's other. It's living here and going back to where you came from and realizing, I used to think that was normal. Yeah. <laughs> that was ex that's the stuff of movies. Yeah. That drama, the tension, the, the uncertainty. Yeah. <laughs> Some people love that. And they think, this is artificial. I said, no, this is humanity at its best. I, I totally agree. That even to the it's extent hard. of um, airport. No matter what you, convenience, you get treated better in convenience stores here than you do in the finest hotels or jewelry shops. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Service here is second to none in the world, totally. And they seem like they love yep. doing it. Mm. Smiles on their face, no one has a bad day. And even if they don't love doing it, it's There's about service. Thank you. Yeah, no, I totally agree. I had culture oh. shock going home, That's going into Heathrow. And you go back and you go, and you, you become, your antenna become even more intense, mm -hmm. and you start becoming reactive. And so it used to be a normal situation. Now I can't, what? And when the server comes up and says, throws your stuff on the tip, and you yeah. go, it really shocks you. That's why yeah. I tell people, after yeah. you've been here for a year, yeah. go yeah. back, to, I don't care where in the world, go back to Hong Kong. It doesn't matter where you go. You'll realize. You're going to realize yeah. what you learned to put up with. Yeah. It's not right. It's the, for me, it's the airport. It's always the airport coming, and you get off the plane, and you go in, and you think, oh, it's just filthy in here. <laughs> and then you come back to Narita, or uh, Hanada. It doesn't water. matter where it's it is. It's spotless. <laughs> it where I you know, go. I know. And you think, it can't be funny. This has to be real. And you're looking for the graffiti or something, and you think, 
Even that's neat. Even that's beautiful. It, yeah. It's <laughs> odd. It's, it's nice. It's, it's not a bunch of litter around it. This, the people aren't impoverished. <laughs> you can frame been, it. It's been put there deliberately because that's right. this is the skateboarding. That's right. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. That's so interesting. Yeah. Do you plan on living here indefinitely? Yeah, for the moment. Yeah, we, d we, we live here until we're not happy here. I mean, oh, everywhere's got its pros and cons, though. Doesn't it? You know, it, the it's you not travel, perfect. The more you travel, the more you realise it. No. Nowhere's perfect. You know, politics no. are not perfect. You have to make it happen inside. You do, you do. And you, you have to make the life that you that you want. Um, there's there's pros and cons to living here. One, you know, the biggest one being the weather. I'm British, oh, you know, I'm the, used to rain. The rain is the blue rain. sky. <laughs> Winters with blue sky. Every single day I look... It's blue sky again. <laughs> and I, not just that, the moderate, the moderateness of the of the weather here. You get a little bit of snow. Mm -hmm, yeah. When it's autumn, you get a little yeah. bit of that. And the you sun, need the rain. It's, it's, it gets hot, but it's only for a couple months. You can handle so. it. You can flip handle it. You know, flip-flops on. <laughs> it. Yeah. It's so muddy, but you get all four seasons. Oh, I love, I love this. I talk about the weather, really over, overly talk about the weather. <laughs> I Isn't do. It? I really appreciate that. But no, I, I just find society here and people's commitment to each other. Um, the way things work and the way things, the way people are respectful of each other, and we all know, you know, there's a veneer, and you know, if you lift the lid, and in, in any country, that's in the any case. That's the one. But generally, you know, people are very um, non-intrusive on other people's lives, and I think if, as you know, foreigners being here, if we can learn that and contribute in that way, and make sure we're not interrupting life uh, here for other people, I would like that to be in every country. I mean, I feel about that. that I feel about that with the education system. If we could take the both, the best of both worlds, a Western approach to thinking and, and creativity, to the discipline and um, collegiate approach to education here, if you could combine those, it would That's be right. perfect. When you left, when you so when you came over here, you started teaching the British school. Yeah. And then you worked your way up, or did you come in that position to start I off I did, with? no. I, when I first came here, I was head of Key Stage 1, uh, quartet leader, but um, year 1 and 2. Okay. Um, and I did that for five years. And I had a team of um, eight teachers, and we had about, there was about 150 students in the, in the two-year groups together. Um, and I did that for five years, and then I, I was promoted to become the deputy head. And I did that for six years. And at the beginning of that, we had a new head teacher who came in, uh, who I absolutely loved working with. And she taught me so much about educational leadership. It was real on, on the job training, just absolutely, profoundly brilliant. Um, and at the, after I did that, for, we worked together for about six years. And I started to think, well, actually, I, I think I'd like to be a head of my own school now, not, not the deputy. And so I was starting to look. and. Um, and she decided it was time to move on, and I applied and became the head teacher of uh, BST. The, uh, the, the, yeah, the primary school, yeah. yeah. And I did that for but six just years. Just the primary, it wasn't primary. both? Uh, primary. I, when I was deputy head, I had a small period of time when I was the um, deputy head of the whole school, but it was at that time when we, the leadership structure changed and we ended, we had a principal and two a head of primary and head right, of That's secretary. right, that's right, that's right. When the school grew. When I first went to BST, there were um, 400 students in right. total. Right. Um, when I left, there were 1,100, That's 630 right. in the primary school. That's right. So it, it had just grown and blossomed so much. You know what they're planning on doing in the new school? You know how many students they're planning on having? Oh. Nine oh yeah, I do know that. It's going to be yeah. bigger than the second. Yes, year. that's right. Yeah, and just just around the corner. That's right, right across the yeah. street. Yes, yeah. yeah, right I did a lot there. of the planning for that. Right. I so you did. You ended up being over 
in that section you were just you were over the elementary school yes so the students from age three to um, 11 mm -hmm. and when I when I when we took over there were 400 and I think 450 students in the primary school and by the time I left there were 630 so we'd grown uh, the primary school so it started off with two and three forms per year classes per year group and when I left it was four forms so uh, I was delighted I, I loved my work at that school that so what did you do when you left there when you left yeah, that was I a wrench. For a while, it was a wrench. It? Yeah, it took a long time to make the decision. It took me about two years to decide that it was uh -huh. time to move on. And not because I didn't love being there. I loved mm -hmm. being oh, there. Oh, they could tell. And, oh, I, I, and, and I the still way do. You greeted, the way you oh. greeted everyone coming in. I used to love coming as you watch you <laughs> greet everyone. Because you just ran up. You're just so happy, bubbly. And you, you knew how to manage it so that everyone felt like they got some of your time. You never ignored anyone. And when they thought that they weren't noticed, you'd reach around this corner and get this. This woman is my Look at her. I love that. But that's the head that's the head teacher's job. I believe you know, that. it's connecting in all that. different directions and that's, that's why it's exhausting. It. <laughs> yes, it can um, be. It was. But um, no, I, I, I knew that I'd been at the school for you know, I was there for seventeen years and I, 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 you keep developing and improving things and, and moving things forward. We'd implemented new curriculums and we'd into new assessment and then you get to the point where you think I don't, I'm not sure where to take this next, uh, or gotcha. what I can That's do next. Right. And uh, you know, you, many head teachers stay in their job for 25 years. I just knew that I couldn't take the school to its next um, era. And, and I was, if we'd been moving into the new building sooner, I would have loved to have taken the school into that. But it just was such a long. Something I couldn't wait. It was just too long. So I decided that I could. And, and as I was ahead, and even when I was a teacher at BST, I could see that there was a gap in Tokyo actually for. Um, S support services for families because I did a lot of work with families coming in to talk about you know raising bilingual children or transfer to other schools or you know I'm worried about my child's progress all of these kind of things which are part and parcel of headship but sometimes families need that outside of school because I would be having you know wider educational philosophy discussions with families who were deciding what kind of schooling they wanted for their children and actually Sometimes coming into school, that's not always the best place to do that. So I could see there was a gap out there um, for an educational services company. And so um, the idea of Quest, my company was born, and Quest stands for Quality, Q-U, Education Services and Tutoring. So that took a very long time to come up with, as you can imagine. And when did you, when, when, when did you establish it? Um, I established it in 2018, so it was incorporated before I left BST because I knew when I left I needed to have that all kind of running. I didn't do I didn't do any training or anything, but um, it was ready as soon as I left to um, to pick up. So uh, I fully intended when I left in July 2018 to have a couple of months of just laying in a dark room. <laughs> Recovering, but it didn't work. It didn't happen like that. Um, very quickly, people were coming to. Uh, I did a, a big phonic program that summer, and we did a writing program as well. Very quickly, so um, it was. It so, was so your focus, at Quest's focus, is to get people to bridge that gap, so people that have their kids in school. They might be having some other issues themselves. Mm, mm. Yeah, it's it's all different. We've got different so range of services. Yeah. So sometimes uh, I have parents coming to me to talk about, you know, I'm raising a bilingual child. They're two. What should we be doing? So we talk about that, those kind of things. So they come for consultations. Other times, parent come to us. Parents come to us and say, my child's really struggling with their maths. Can you help get them back on track? And that's my goal. That's our goal. Actually, for tutoring, what we want is to get children back on the 
on the rails, as it were, so that yeah. they're successful in school. Do you, you have a staff? Yeah, we have a team of uh, ten tutors uh, that we that uh, connect mm-hmm. work for us. Um, and I meet with families. They come to us, and then I meet with them, and we talk about like, tell us what's going well, what's not going so well. We have that kind of conversation, and while we're talking, I'm thinking about my tutoring team. Which tutor's going to be the the, the best match here? Um, and then we plan a, a program for that child to get them back on track. And some students, it might be, you know, oh, I'm really struggling with fractions. Ten sessions, sorted. They're fine, right? They're back on track. Off they go. Other students then say, oh, well, actually, I'm also struggling with algebra or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. And, and we do all different uh, subjects. So mm-hmm. um, maths is one of them. But actually, more of the students come to us for English. Mm-hmm. Is this strictly for students? Um, mm-hmm. f- from age 5 to um, 18. Okay, so we, 18, yeah, okay. and, and most of our students are in the middle of that. But mm-hmm. we do have uh, younger students. And we've got a couple of um, phonics group classes for students who are bilingual, perhaps uh, even native English speakers, but they're in Japanese system, which is great for them. They're learning Japanese really authentically, but want also to have a really um, solid foundation of learning to read and write in English, which they will get some of in the Japanese sector, but not necessarily um, enough. So they come to us for that. Um, and then we also have some uh, a Saturday class for students who are in the Japanese system, but want to experience learning English in the way that you might if you were in a, in a sort of an international setting. So we do that. Um, yeah, we've, we've got lots of things going on. We, we Prior to COVID, we did um, holiday programs. We're just starting to set up our holiday programs for this year. We, it's It's been so difficult with the numbers kind of doing this show. Is that what you did? Yeah, we, we stopped uh, during COVID doing oh, our did? summer programs. Yeah. Really? Oh, so the summer stopped. Just the summer programs, yeah. Right. yeah. But that um, happened with us too. Yeah, we just, it was just too risky. There's no way you could do it. No, it was too risky. So, But I think we'll, we'll do some this summer. We'll mm-hmm. definitely have some in place for this summer. So, mm-hmm. so that was... That was Quest, but actually, the reason I start, the bigger reason I started Quest was because actually the bigger um, challenge that I found families had uh, in in Tokyo was finding support if their child had learning difficulties. And actually, my goal for Quest is for us, and and I'll I'll talk about this. We just launched this year. My goal was to start up a learning support hub for families, so um, and and schools actually, because there's lots of people doing good work here. There's just not enough. There's okay. just not enough. You know, this. fantastic people doing therapy and um, learning support. But of course, once they've got their quota of people that they can work with, it, there's 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 not enough of that. So um, what I wanted to, to to do was to set up um, Quest Learning Support and Therapy, a hub. And I had that on my five-year plan. I wanted Quest to get going and to. Um, be you know cash flow and all of those kinds of things mm-hmm. to be solid as a company, um, and then to start the um, what we're calling QLST Quest Learning Support and Therapy, and we actually launched last year last September we added another um, suite if you like another suite of services to what we were already doing with the with the um, exam prep and the tutoring. And we've been going. We've been doing that this year. So we've uh, we took on board a, a learning support therapist. Uh, we've just had a speech therapist join our team. And now, when families come to us, the goal is for us to um, be a place where it's got two sides. Child's always in the middle. Families come to us because they need a consultation. They've got a, they've got an issue. They can't find support, or they 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 want to talk. We then uh, consult with them. We will then do an assessment. 
most likely in school or they can come to us for that. We then make recommendations and then they can source the therapy they need from us as well. So if they need speech therapy or if they need in-class support for um, social um, you know, executive functioning or any of those kinds of things, um, they can source those from us as well and they can also find community because as I think a lot of yes. families are quite isolated if you don't speak Japanese it can be quite isolating to find but the child has an issue that exactly right. so we're building up that community as well so that's on the on the parent side but then on the other side are schools and th this was some of the experience I had as a, an educator in Tokyo that we went through periods of having absolutely fantastic educational psychology support because there was somebody in the parent community mm -hmm. who was doing that. Do it, right. But then of course they would move on and, and we would have you know, three or four again. years. It was a right. real, real kind of feast yes. or famine type situation. Right. And so I, what, I want, what we want the hub to be as well, and we've, this has started this year and I'm pleased to say we're already supporting some schools, that they can, one of the head teachers said to me, and I completely empathise with this, I want a red phone on my desk that I can pick up and say, Kirsten, uh, we've got this, uh, how, you know, where, where should we go? And I totally get that. So that's what we are, um, schools can contact us. They can say, we've got a child in class, can you come and watch? We've got permission from family, so on. Or, you know, we've admitted a child who's got Down syndrome, can you come and do some training for our staff? We've got a child who's got, you know, ADHD, can you come and watch and give us some tactics on how to integrate, um, be, sort of different learning behaviours into our everyday work and so we want to, to have those two sides uh, and that's what we've launched this year. Are you bringing people in because I, I would think that the resources of people is the biggest thing. You it's have to get people that can do this that are trained in that area. How are you getting? Very difficult and this was... This can you bring them all? Well <laughs> I would have done if we hadn't had COVID <laughs> um, and that's why that's actually that's yes. been the biggest thing. Our speech uh, and language therapist was due to arrive last summer which was very exciting but of course COVID has something else to say about that and uh, with Omicron coming through it just paused all of the visas again you know just as they were starting in November it, start, it went again um, but she's arrived now and is uh, already working with some of our clients which is which is and she's outstanding I'm delighted to be working with her we're going to expand our group to also have an occupational therapist um, and in the longer run and we can't do this yet because it's just a very expensive um, venture is to have an, uh, an educational psychologist on the team as well. We'll most likely do that in a remote type approach to begin with because of COVID, but in the end uh, we'd, we'll have somebody on, on board who can do that too. But we've got a full-time um, uh, learning support uh, therapist on board and he does a lot of, um, he does after school programs on social skills and also works with students in school if they need one-to-one -one support on particular particularly the executive functioning and the social skills sides of things, um, which has been very successful this year, I'm pleased to say. And there's, there's scope for that to grow. Um, mm. We'll be doing some of that stuff during the summer holidays as well. So that's actually where all my energies uh, are going, uh, developing so that. And also, I mean, I've been quite lucky that over the last um, couple of years, I've also been involved in the development of new schools here as well. That's so right. there's, um, See, the, I was under the impression mm. that it was that was what you, was your school that's, at the beginning. That's, and most people think that, right? Well, I've been in, I'm the uh, education advisor for right. the company that is developing those schools. That's right. And so um, I was very lucky last year to be involved with really starting a new school pretty much from scratch uh, alongside the team. Of course, it's not just that's me, right. but um, it was yeah something quite special, and so I'm delighted that and that's it really so, successful. It's so perfectly with your oh, own company. Yeah, um, the that's thing beautiful. is, Lance, I've just been 
all the time I've been here, I've just been really fascinated with the education landscape here. For such an enormous city, and if you compared it to places like Singapore or Hong Kong, the school um, landscape is the only word I can use, but the landscape is quite different. There's it's like out west. It's so so sparse. Mm, it's yeah. very. It is. It is. It's very and very sparse. And if you you know that for particular <laughs> curriculums, you've only got certain. You know, if you want the American curriculum, you've really got ASIJ, and there's no options, which is fantastic as a business model. Not quite so great as a parent if yeah, if yeah. a school. You know, and British education as well. If it's only particular type, and you want something else, I was wanted. Um, I was wanted people to choose BST and choose my primary That's school because. They loved what we were doing, not because we were the only choice they had. Right. Um, and I think I choice is good. That's right. So, and if particularly if you know schools are creating a niche for what their what their vision is and what their mission is, yeah. I think there's opportunity to develop. That's uh, what people miss yeah, most of the time yeah. because Japan has so much abundance in so many ways. Mm. They find a lot of people coming here wanting to take, mm. and that's it, and yeah. then they're gone. Yeah. And, and actually, they, there's a lot of that in they, international education. They right? see that. They come in, get what they can get, then they're out of here. Yeah. It's Japan not, doesn't play no, that. No, and, no, and actually, that's They want you to you know, put down your stake, you're here. Yeah, pay your taxes. That's right, be here. <laughs> yeah, be pre- we'll be present. Um, yeah. But, but there is, I think there is room for the uh, international oh, there, well, scene oh, of course to there is. And you know, hopefully, once the borders reopen and we start to see the influx of international families again, that that community will. will what do you think? We're seeing it through the building of these huge companies, Mori, Mitsubishi. Mm. All these companies need other people to come in because, as we know, the population is aging. That's right. They need them in here, but they're going to take their time. Mm-hmm. But just like they, they put the British schools here, and the setup they give. They'll make it so that when you come here, you are set, but they expect you to stay. Oh, that's right. Yeah. They're, they're not doing it for play, but that layout they have there is going to be phenomenal. I know. It's beautiful. It's so beautiful. It will be absolutely beautiful. Kristen, I wish you all the... You're going to do so well. There's no, <laughs> there's no doubt about it. With your personality, with what I've seen when you were at the British School, what you're talking about now with Quest, you're going to go all the way. I wish you all the luck before we end. I want to ask you, what do you consider? I asked you at the beginning too, but you had a chance to think a little bit about it. What do you consider a good life in Japan? What do I consider a good life in Japan? I, well, the weather. Enjoy appreciating the weather. Um, but I also, but actually, primarily, I think appreciating what Japan has to offer and how you give back to it. Um, I, you've, you've just mentioned, you know, it's not about coming here and taking, because we don't play that game here. It, it doesn't feel like that game here. It's about um, embracing society and the um, behaviours and expectations of society here, I think, are, are something that has really changed me, even changed the pitch of my voice, the volume of my voice, down to, I won't. I feel very uncomfortable with my shoes on in here because there's carpet, you know, all these kinds of things. So I think it's embracing all the beautiful things about Japanese uh, behaviours and culture are what brings good life here. Um, and I think you can, you, you can there's, there's something to be said for the societal responsibility to each other here, which I love, I really love that. Um, and I think that's what brings a happy life. Kristen, thank you so, so much. It's It's been a pleasure. It's lovely to chat with you, Lawrence. Thank you.
I want to thank all of you for watching this podcast. Make sure you press like and subscribe. Please subscribe. I need as many subscribers as I can get. Remember, it's all unknown. So continue to reach for the stars. And remember, you're too blessed to be stressed. Thank you.